Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that he was delivered up for our trespasses and he was raised for our justification. Father, we ask that this morning you may please help me, please help this congregation, every single one of us, to so understand what you have done when you raised Jesus to life again. That has changed the destiny of the whole world. Help us to so understand that we will marvel again at your resurrection and long for the day when we too who are in Christ will be resurrected. And we ask this for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, in 1 Corinthians 15, we, it got us thinking about the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, as well as the resurrection of Christians, when Christ returns. Resurrection. Let's think about that for a short while. Do you and the Christians around you get excited or passionate about the resurrection? Put it this way. Have you got so fired up recently in telling someone about the resurrection that you bought him a coffee so that he could stay and hear you out? I asked someone this week about the resurrection, if he has thought about it recently. Without any hesitance, he said, of course no, Kenneth. And I think his honesty represents many Christians today. So I've been wondering why the whole week. Why is such a central doctrine to the Christian faith so commonly neglected by Christians, myself included? Without the resurrection, our faith is futile, worthless, and yet we don't seem to care much about it. We don't seem to long for the resurrection as much as we should. Don't you think that's the case? Why? Why is that so? I came up with two reasons. Firstly, it is because, for most of us, death is distant. Like the rest of our society, we have become very good in not talking about death. Without death, there is not much need for resurrection. Perhaps only once in a while, when someone close to us is sick and is dying, we'll think about it. Secondly, I think we neglect the resurrection because we have a very shallow understanding of the resurrection. We are very ignorant of what God has done and is doing in the resurrection of Jesus. We are clueless of the magnitude and the skill of God's plan in the resurrection. Try to think of our relationship with the resurrection in this way. Imagine yourself as an office cleaner. Okay? And one day you found yourself cleaning God's office. There are many folders that you found on the table for the various projects that God has. Project Virgin Birth, Project Pouring Out the Holy Spirit, and then you found Project Resurrection. You pick it up and then you have a look. It shocks you from the start. The more you read, the further it leads. 
It is like a conspiracy theory that leads all the way to POTUS. You never knew how deep the project penetrates. You never knew how big the scale and the magnitude of the project is. Well, in today's passage, we are going to see the sheer magnitude of God's intent in the resurrection. My job this morning is to help you so understand the passage that you will walk out of church today knowing that resurrection is not just resurrection. It is big. It is huge. It is cosmic. It is insane. Point one. Nothing personal, but you are full. Verse 35, would you read with me? But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. These questions were asked by skeptics, not those who were genuinely interested in investigating the resurrection claim, but those who thought the whole idea as a laughing stock. Friends, if that is how you view resurrection today, a joke, an embarrassment, no offense and nothing personal, I'm just doing my responsibility as a preacher to tell you what the Bible says. God says you are a fool. Okay? God says you are a fool. Imagine Tim Phillips insisting on driving down Jalan Parliament with his new Myvi during a flash flood. The water was about knee height. But there he is, absolutely confident with his Myvi. Lagi power, lagi best. I'm sorry, Tim. But he is a fool. He is a fool. He demonstrates complete ignorance of how car works. Complete ignorance of the power of flood waters. Friends, if you are denying the forthcoming resurrection, which the Bible talks about, you are living in ignorance of God's program for world history. You are living in ignorance of how big God is and what he is capable of. And therefore, you are a fool. And mind you, you could be a Christian for many years, and yet you're living in ignorance. Like the Corinthians, you are not on board with where God is driving the world. If that's you, you too are a fool. And you need to wise up today. There's nothing embarrassing about being a fool. All Christians need to wise up more and more each day. And that's what we are here to do, to help one another as we read God's word. So let's begin with resurrection fact number one. It will be dramatic. It will be dramatic. Paul, the fact of the matter is, dead bodies decompose. Microorganisms, digestive enzymes break down the bodies. The bodies turn blue, they blister, they swell. Eventually, they become part of the nutrients in the ground. The molecules find their way into other living creatures. If the bodies have disintegrated and have been incorporated into other creatures, I'm sorry, Paul, but how can they be raised again? You must be joking. 
Paul's response begins with an illustration. How convenient for a preacher. He says, verse 36, What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. My first child, Samantha, is a fruit monster. She loves her fruit. Here is one of the many seeds that I collected from her bowl this week. How does it look to you? Can you guess what tree it will become if I sow this seed? Patrick, you want to make a guess? The point is this, these naked seeds look much lesser than what it will be. The body of the plant, the Rambodan tree, good on you Patrick, the body of the tree looks drastically different from this seed. Do you believe that this insignificant looking seed can undergo such a drastic transformation and become a fruit tree like that? And that the transformation can happen simply by you burying this seed in the ground, like a dead body. Do you believe that? Of course you do. For that is what we observe around us all the time. The question is, how does it happen? How can such a dull-looking seed transform so drastically? into such a glorious tree? Well, the answer is in verse 38. But God gives it a body that he has chosen. God gives it a body. And that should not be surprising to us at all, that it is God who gave it the body. In Genesis 1, that Kenneth read to us, and God said, let the earth sprout with vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, and it was so. God spoke, and the body came into being. And the plant and the seed gets the body that God wants it to get. And then Paul continues in verse 38. He says, And to each kind of seed its own body, for not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. What is he saying? He says that we ourselves can observe with our own eyes from creation that there are various kinds of bodies, various kinds of flesh. Meat lovers around us will know that there is light meat and there is dark meat. There is white fish and there is oily fish. You enjoy the different texture when you eat them. 
That is, right from the beginning, it has been in God's blueprint that there are different kinds of bodies. Some are heavenly, that they belong to the sky. Some are earthly, they belong to the ground. And even among those that is in the sky, the sun, the moon and the stars, God made them different in glory, different in splendor. Genesis 1 again. God made two great lights. They are not the same. A greater light to rule the day and then a lesser light to rule the night. And then look at the stars. God made them different with different brightness as well. So the point is, look around you and you will see that God created different kinds of bodies with different levels of glory and splendor for each one of them. So it will be a mystic it will be a mistake to think that God cannot create a resurrected human body that is of greater splendor. It will be foolish to think that God who can cause this seed buried in the ground to burst forth out of the ground, the God who can transform this seed drastically into a glorious rambutan tree, that God, it will be foolish to think that that God cannot drastically transform a buried, decomposed body into a glorious, resurrected body. Friends, at the second coming of Christ, when Christians are resurrected, like a transforming, like a seed transforming into a tree, our body will become drastically transformed. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that God can do that? If not, your God is too small. Your God is a God who works in lab. Your God is a God who plays with DNAs on test tubes. Your God, God is a God who maps genome. It is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the one who makes DNA, who makes cells. He's the one who can just play around with DNA any way that he likes. Why can't he resurrect a human body? Think about it again. God does not belong in the lab that you put him in. But you may ask, yes, I can see that our body will be transformed drastically. But how drastic would it be? Well, Paul goes on next to explain the transformation that will be involved. Point three. Resurrection, fact two. It will be total. In verses 42 to 44 that we shall see, we have come to some very crucial verses of the chapter. These are verses that will help us grasp the magnitude and the extent of what God is doing and is achieving in the resurrection. Verse 42. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a live giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. 
The first man was formed, it was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is of man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of man of heaven. Well, here Paul tells the Christians that there are just two kinds of human bodies in the end. Both are bodies, but they are drastically different bodies. They are of different kinds. The first kind is their present body. A natural body, the earthly body, a body of the dust. The second kind is their future resurrected body. The spiritual body, the heavenly body. Brothers and sisters, here is why I think these verses are so crucial. For here lies the reason why we are not excited and passionate about the resurrection. Here lies the reason why we are not longing for the resurrection. There are two sides to the coin. On one hand, unless we grasp how bad our present fallen body is, we will not long for a resurrected body. Agree? On the other hand, unless we grasp how good our body is meant to be and will be, we will not long for the resurrected body. Agree. So let's begin by looking at what Paul says about our present earthly body. Verse 42 says that it is perishable, it is dishonored, it is weak. Take a look at your own body. How bad do you think is your present body? Let me tell you how bad it is. Okay? First of all, it is perishable. That is, it is corruptible. It decays. It breaks down. The ugly truth of the matter is, everyone eventually dies. Old people die. Little babies die. Mummies and daddies die. Unborn full-term twins die. Our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, our spouses, our classmates, some have already died, and others will soon die. Look around this room. Really, look around this room and look at the faces. How many of us do you think will still be alive in 50 years' time? As short as 50 years, how many of us will still be alive? Probably more than half will be dead, if not dying, in the hospital. Can you imagine how many more times, how many more funerals we will be attending in the next 50 years? How many more times our heart will sink when we receive a call? How many more times must we go through the five stages of loss and grief? We deny, we get angry, we bargain, we get depressed. And when we finally reach acceptance, another one dies, and we start again. I'm only in my mid-30s. 
and I'm already tired of hearing about death. I don't know how many more deaths that I can cope before I start taking antidepressants. How can anyone say this present perishable body is okay when everyone suffers and dies and brings so much pain and grief? It is not okay. And that is why we long for a future resurrected imperishable body. Can you imagine that? No more sickness, no more death. And because there is no more death, there will be no more saying goodbye to our cherished and our loved ones. There will be no more pain, there will be no more grief. Can you imagine that? A perishable, an imperishable body. Secondly, how bad is our present body? Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is sown in dishonor. That is, our body is not treated with the honor that it deserves. As a result of the fall, we no longer honor and respect one another's body. Do you realize that? It is not honored the way that it should be honored. Look at Christ. He was marred beyond human semblance. Look at Paul. He was in rags and brutally treated. A human. And even today, I'm sure many of you here can remember the disgusting photos from Abu Ghraib prisons. Naked human bodies leashed, stripped of honor. Not forgetting the ever-growing billion-dollar porn industry. Child prostitution, child abuse, gang rapes, domestic violence. Friends, we must and we have to admit that humanity is just screwed up. Look at how we dishonor each other's body. The present dishonoring of the body is not okay. Not at all. Not a body that has been made by God. The human body is so degraded, so dishonored in the world today. So do you not long for the resurrection? <laughs> when verse 43, what is sown dishonor is raised in glory. For Christ the first fruit has already entered into glory. Through the resurrection, as his people, we too can look forward to experiencing glory through our resurrection. Thirdly, how bad is our present body? Verse 43, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. What's he saying? Our present body is weak. For our whole being, every single part of our body, is affected by sin ever since the fall. Our will, our will, our reason, our morals, our affection, our emotion, our intentions, every aspect of our being is fallen, is corrupted. Friends, I don't know what you are thinking or what you think when you are in private, but I do know what I think. 
I know what I have thought about you, about you, about you, and about you. And you don't know, you don't want to know what I have thought. I am sick of myself for thinking like that about you. And at times I'm sick of myself for not being sick of myself for thinking about you like that. Yes, since becoming a Christian, the Spirit has been at work in sanctifying me. And yes, I'm thankful for the Spirit in empowering me to overcome various sins of my life. But friends, I'm not satisfied. I am very sick and tired of sins that so easily entangle. I'm longing for the resurrected body. The spiritual body in which the Spirit has full sway on me. Where the Spirit has full domination of my every thought, my every word and my every deed. And I'll stop thinking about you like that. I really, really, really long for the resurrected spiritual body. As Paul said, all I have experienced so far is this natural body. For it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. I can't imagine, and I'm sure you can't as well, how great that spiritual body will be. A body that is without sin completely. A body that is full with pure thoughts for one another. Pure love for one another. A body, verse 49, that bears the image of Christ. So I asked, why should we be excited and passionate about the resurrection? Why should we be longing for the resurrection? Well, brothers and sisters, it is because the resurrection is total. It is comprehensive. It is complete. It is not just a group of us staying alive for eternity. Trust me, or you can ask Vivian, you don't want to leave with an untransformed Kenneth for eternity. And neither do I want to leave with an untransformed you for eternity. No offense, okay? It's just being real with sin. Understand how deeply, how thoroughly God is cleaning up our world. It is a massive project that He is doing in the resurrection. First for Christ and then for all who belong to Him. The resurrection is God's mega project for a perfect cosmic restoration. It is God's brainchild project for a complete cosmic renewal. To make his project to make fallen, sinful, corrupt human beings like you and me suitable for kingdom living. Living with him as our God in his presence. God's kingdom, you must understand, is a perfect kingdom. A perfect kingdom that is beyond what we could imagine. And that's why Paul says in verse 50, 
I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. That is, perishable, fallen humanity has no place at all in such a perfect, imperishable kingdom. And that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? God's mega project is a perfect kingdom that he's building for us. Perfect in every single sense. There is already a perfect king that has been installed for the perfect, perfect kingdom, the reason Lord Jesus Christ. But for this perfect kingdom to be perfect, to be a kingdom with no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows, no more sin, no more decay and no more death, the kingdom people who will be in the kingdom must be perfect as well. That is what is in store for us. The kingdom people must be perfect. So, next, in verse 51 to 53, Paul is going to explain to us how human who, is, who do not have the capability and the incapacity to enter such a perfect kingdom can enter such an imperishable kingdom. Take a look at verse 51. Point four, resurrection fact three. Behold, I tell you a mystery. You shall not all sleep, but you shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, be raised, imperishable, and shall be changed. For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks... But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How is it possible for human beings who are sinful and perishable and corrupted to enter such a perfect kingdom? Well, we have seen it here, isn't it? Those who belong to Christ those who put on put their faith in him as their Lord and Saviour, when the trumpet sounds, that is when Christ returns, they will be changed. They will be transformed in a microsecond, instantly. They will be given new resurrected body, bodies that are imperishable, bodies that are perfectly dressed for the perfect kingdom. And how does this happen? It happens because God himself is doing it. God himself is at work in changing that. And God himself is the one who has given us victory through our Lord Jesus. God himself is preparing his people for the kingdom. We don't have to be worried about whether we are dressed for the perfect kingdom. 
before we walk into the perfect kingdom. In an instant, God is going to get rid and renew this body to make sure that it is imperishable, it is incorruptible, and we will walk into the kingdom as perfect people. In verse 58, Paul ends. Paul ends by saying, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Well, we have seen today the extent, the skill, and the magnitude of what is God doing in Project Resurrection. I hope he has blown your mind that resurrection is not just about resurrection. Resurrection is about redeeming, it's about renewing the whole universe. It is this universe, it is this universe dream come true. I want a perfect world. We have always dreamed about it, but it is true. That's happening, and that has happened. The problem is, our unrenewed mind and our unrenewed body is incapable of accepting this truth that such a perfect kingdom is possible. But it is. Because when we look at Christ, He has resurrected. And the day will come when we, will too, we too will be resurrected just like Him. And we will be in that perfect kingdom. So friends, why did Paul end this way? Asking the Corinthians to abound in the work of the Lord. Friends, when you do gospel work in whatever capacity that you are doing, when you encourage someone in church, when you serve one another in church, when you evangelize, when you tell people about the kingdom, do you realize what work you are involved in? Do you realize how big that work is. Do you remember the day that you received an acceptance letter from perhaps LHC or Oxford or Cambridge or even working for a big company, the Big Five? And after receiving it, you feel so great about yourself that you are proud that you are part of this big company that is going to change the world? Friends, the work that you are involved in when you are doing kingdom work it's, it's beyond word description. It's massive, it's big, it's cosmic. It involves the whole human race being changed. And we as Christians are involved in that work. How massive is that? It blows my mind that I cannot comprehend that I'm involved in such a massive work of renewing the whole universe. But the truth is that's what we are doing. And therefore, it is not in vain. Keep doing that. Christ is resurrected. Our resurrection will come. Let's keep telling people of this renewed kingdom that's awaiting us, those who have faith in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you may please help us. Give us such a clear vision of what you have done in the resurrection of Jesus and what you will be doing 
and what you have installed and prepared for us when he returns, when we will receive our resurrected body. Help us to believe, O oh Lord, that you are renewing this corrupted world. You are ushering in a perfect kingdom. And help us, Father, as we struggle in the perishable body, the corrupted body that we still have. By your Spirit, help us to long for the imperishable kingdom where we'll be transformed totally to be perfect in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving you glory and honor that you deserve. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.